This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples, UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to podcast number 330. We are the Fight Disciples and this one's dedicated to the world of mixed martial arts, mainly UFC, but there's a little bit of Bellator that pops up every now and again and a bit of Cage Warriors too. Uh, if it's the first time you've come across us, you can subscribe via our uh, website, fightdisciples.com. That'll give you everything that you need. Or if you just want to go straight to iTunes, you can do. You're looking for Fight Disciples. We are at Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter and at The Fight Disciples on the old Instagram. Uh, lots to talk about, including um, an upset crowd in Mexico City. They weren't happy with it, the, the boys and the girls that had uh, paid their good money to go and see uh, a main event. Listen. I understand that you were pissed off. I don't even know why I'm speaking this, because they can't understand English. <laughs> El understando, pissed the offo. <laughs> I understand, though, that you've paid a lot of money to go and watch your boy, Yard Rodriguez, performing uh, a home fighter in a home city in the main event, and it lasts all the 10 seconds, and it gets called off because of an eye poke. I understand you're pissed off. I'd be pissed off. Of course I would be, especially if I had a, a belly full of tequila and a few Desperanos as, as, as I was making my way into the arena. However, right? That's a painter stereotype. Well, anything, you know what I mean? I could have gone tacos. I could have gone fajitas. Do all Mexicans drink Desperados? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Did they not? Anyway, I understand that you were pissed off, <clears throat> but it's not Jeremy Stevens' fault. No. It's not Jeremy Stevens' fault. Look at his... Well, it is. How is it? Because he put his fucking eyeball right in the way of Yara Rodriguez's finger. Oh, I'm sorry. Close your fucking fists. That's what <laughs> I say. Accidents happen. This is fight sports. We went to Vegas last week to watch Tyson Fury and nobody envisaged the blooming gash the size of that on the size of his head to change the whole course of a fight. Nobody. This is, this is the crazy thing about fight sports. Things happen that nobody's legislated for. Nobody's thinking that an iPod's going to happen in the first 10 seconds of a fight, which ends up getting the whole thing called off. I understand you're pissed off, but it's not Jeremy Stevens' fault. Accidents happen, run it back, let's go again. Behaving the way that they behaved and throwing stuff into the octagon straight away and showering in with all sorts of shit, I think is a bit despicable, really. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC go, fuck that, we ain't going back to Mexico if that's the way that you're going to behave. Yeah, it, is a bit, it, was, it was horrible to watch, but it, it was a... I'm trying to play devil's advocate here a little bit because obviously I don't condone what the Mexican fans did at all because it was shitty. And, and you're right, 100% right. The last person to blame would be Jeremy Stevens. The fuck's he supposed to do? The But it was uh, circumstances were building up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, Rodriguez didn't help the situation, mate. No, he didn't. He was, and he that, was pumping it up. That's part of the problem. There was, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's like four or five problems here. One of which was the fact that... Um, Moreno, Brandon Moreno, in the co-main event against Askarov, the Dagestani kid. Yes. Moreno fucking battered him, and this was scored a draw. Yeah. So the fans are all going, what the fuck, our guys just won there, beat the Russian, and we got a draw. And then Carlos Sparza goes and leg humps Alexa Grasso and tries to fucking spoil. And I hate that shit, but that's the way Carlos Sparza fights. When it was on the feet, Grasso was winning the fight, when it, but Sparza was just too good at taking her down and holding her down and just being boring and killing the fight and killing the momentum. So she goes and gets a win in the co-main event. Now the Mexican fans are fucking spewing. 
because our girl wanted the fight and you didn't. That was shit. We're not happy. We wanted the fight. Me- bear in mind, Mexicans kind of like Europeans. They want to stand up. They want to fight. They want to see knockouts. Yeah, yeah. They're not jujitsu people, grappling people necessarily. Their wrestling involves fucking masks and diving around and dwarfs jumping off top ropes and yeah, shit yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So they want to see knockouts. So they're not appreciative of the fact that Moreno's just been robbed of a victory and Grasso's just been robbed against a, a leg humper in a spars. Right, okay. Our boy's in the main event. Let's go. And he comes out all jacked up, Yar Rodriguez, and the crowd are into it, and everyone's into it. And then the, the accidental eye poke happens. And it was an accident. It didn't jab him in the eye. He just put his hand out there to, you know, keep his range. First 10 seconds of the fight, bomb happens to go in Jeremy Stevens' eye. Initially, it doesn't look that bad. Obviously, it is that bad. And he can't we'll come, open his eyes. Mate, we'll come on to Jeremy Stevens in a minute, but there's absolutely no reason why that fight could continue. If he couldn't continue, no one fucking could continue. Because exactly. that's not in his makeup. But while they're talking about it, so then the commentary's on. And by the way, Herb Dean criticised them loads on this show in recent years. He was brilliant. He was fantastic. There's only two referees in the world that'd be comfortable in that situation. In fact, prior to what happened, I'd have gone, you need Mark Goddard in there, so no, no, because he's the best. But Herb Dean showed us why he used to be the best, because he pulled his socks up and dealt with that absolutely incredibly. I thought Herb Dean was brilliant. But while that's all playing out and Herb's taking control, going, doctor, come in, right, you've got one more minute, blah, 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 blah. And Bisping and the talking at ringside, they're trying to talk you through it. And Bisping, fucking hell, could you have a better commentator to talk you through how dangerous night poke is? Yeah, yeah. A guy that lost an eye against fucking Vita Belfort. Perfect. The setup's perfect. But I'm watching it and the crowd are going ballistic. And then Jordan, the commentary, Bisping goes, oh, Cain Velasquez and someone else, they're really getting the crowd going here. So no, some of the Mexican fighters, ex-fighters, came, whatever, <clears throat> they must have been chin the crowd. Come on, get keep the energy levels up. Way, 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 way. That's great if the fight restarts. Yeah, yeah. But you're fucking throwing petrol on the fire here. Going, poof, 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 come on. So when the fight gets stopped, oh man, they can't just switch that off. The crowd are like, wait a minute. We've just been robbed. We've just been sat through some bullshit. And now the fight's finished after 10 seconds. Not having that. And I just think there was four or five reasons as to why that crowd reacted the way that he did. They're not, it's not just every fan in Mexico is a fucking thug and just wants to throw shit in the octagon. It was a circumstance that went one, two, three, four. By the time it got to the top, it was about to explode. Doesn't make it right, though. No, it doesn't make it right. But you can't expect a fucking 10,000 people inside Mexico Stadium to suddenly just go, oh, right, okay, we're not having to fight. Oh, well, oh, come on then, let's go. Because it was fever pitch. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. fucking atmosphere was right. bouncing. So on Jeremy Stevens, right, because I've seen loads on social media with people referring to him as a pussy, right? And I'm thinking, <laughs> all right. Get behind your fucking Transformers bed cover, boy. You know what I mean? On the old Twitter, nice and safe there to give him a lot of shit. Go and look at his record. I think he's had the third most amount of UFC fights behind Cerrone and, and someone else as well. He has been in fights where he's been kicked in the bollocks. He's been poked in the eye before. There's claret all over the gaff. He is one of the toughest motherfuckers I've yeah. seen in the octagon he's fighting MMA since he was 60 if he's been poked in the eye and he can't open his eye that's legit he hasn't called the fight off it was 10 seconds in he hasn't called the fight off why would he call a fight off he's done an entire fight camp he was based in Mexico for 6 or 8 weeks I think he spent 30 grand to train at bloody altitude so he spent a lot of money on this bloody camp he can't open his eye it's the doctor and Herb Dean that have looked at it and said he can't open his eye this fight does not go on because it's not safe for him to do so he's not gone nah it's not for me I'm out of here he didn't Todd Duffy it the week before yeah 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 the week before, <clears throat> Todd Duffy, the perfect example. Last week, Todd Duffy quit. 
Didn't want to, didn't want any part of it. It just so happened that he'd had a great first round. The second round, his opponent had come on strong. He start, he looked like he was about to lose the fight. He gets an eye poke and went, I can't continue this. Get me out of here. I can't continue. That did not happen in this this occasion. Jeremy Stevens. He couldn't open the eye. Physically couldn't open his eye. You can't blame him for being pulled out for that. He actually couldn't open his eye. The doctor was going up. In the end, the doctor was prizing his eye open, yeah, grabbing yeah. his fucking eyelid to pull his eye open to look inside. Completely different situation. It's just unfortunate that we've had two weeks there which have which had main cards hit by eye pokes. So now we're going to have the whole eye poke conversation. Like well, everything, it comes around every three or four years, suddenly it's, oh, the fucking gloves are to blame. The gloves fault. So, oh, the referees need to stop them, keep the clinch, the thing, uh, the... The fist clenched and blah blah. So how do we how do we sort it? How do we stop it from happening? We're never going to stop it from happening. Do we change the, the gloves? Sh- do we go more Bellator type of gloves? Yeah, I like I like the Bellator gloves, which are slightly curved. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, because you can't straighten your hand. So basically, UFC gloves. If you've never worn a pair, a UFC glove will sit flat on a desk. Yeah, it's like a book. It's absolutely flat. Yeah. So when fighters get them on, when they get to they the bend arenas, them. They, they sit. They usually at the corners to sit there bending them and fucking about with them. And you know, corner, corner teams will put them on and squeeze them and try and curve them around the fist because they literally are flat as a book. The Everlast ones, which Bellator use, are actually a lot more like a boxing glove in shape. You can stand it up on its cuff. Yeah, you know, and and it'll and it looks like a boxing glove with the top cup cut off. So the, the, there's a natural curve there. So when you put Bellator gloves on, your fingers naturally clawed over. You wear UFC gloves, your fingers stand straight up. Yeah, like you like you're showing people Liverpool have won the European Cup, but you'd have to do six times now. That's what it looks like. But with the Bellator glove, it's cupped over. Your fingers are curled in. You're a bit more like a fucking no, a tiger. If you like, is that working? Is this working? No, that's not audio? working. That's not working for audio. Me, me, me doing the tiger you, you walk prowling. towards you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. prowling away. No, it's not working. No, okay. Well, the Bellator, basically your fingers Why don't you just say it, it makes a half fist? It's bending. Well, it does, yeah. It, <laughs> it makes a half fist. There you go. That's a good one. So so basically, if you're wearing Bellator gloves, yeah. you're going to struggle to pick your nose, aren't you? That's that's a fact. Why, why are you trying to pick your nose with like you've Fingers bent over like that. Well, you can't. That's people, the whole point. Listen, that's what I'm trying to. Ex- I'm trying to visual. I'm trying to. They understand. Bring this to mind the They're people's... not daft. They oh. understand. Okay. Go on. So should we move to that style <clears throat> of glove? So potentially, I think for years, Century, a brand called Century, made all UFC's apparel, and they certainly designed this generation of UFC glove. Whether they still supply them, I'm not exactly sure. But it was designed by a company called Century, which is a, a, a company that has a long history in martial arts. I say the Everlast ones, obviously a bit more of a boxer manufacturer. They they've designed the Bellator ones. It's one of them. It's a conversation that we have. It routinely goes around. Every time we get a couple of eye pokes, it's oh shit, the gloves are to blame. But you know we haven't had this conversation for the pre- last eighteen months, two years because we never had a lot of eye pokes. Chances are, coming this weekend, don't bet against the fact there'll be an eye poke this weekend, um, just because these things just can have a habit of coming round and going in circles. So. Don't be surprised if there's a, an eye poke in Copenhagen. Let's just hope it's not the main event. Mm. Regarding Yara Rodriguez's response. It, well, this was the other problem. He made it worse again. Yes, he did. Throwing fire on the situation. Making, you know, he's, he's trying to cause a riot. Climbing up on the fence, going ballistic. I understand you're upset. And I watched all the build-up to this fight. And Yara Rodriguez's grandmother, who come from some far-off corner of Mexico, and all his family were there. And it was a, it was a big moment for him. To be headlining in yeah. Mexico City against Jeremy Stevens, another top ten ranked guy. This was a big moment in Yar Rodriguez's career to really break out and become a superstar for Mexico. And I think he felt all that when the fight. You know, you could see how much it meant to him. He wanted to fight. He wanted that win. He wanted that 
on his resume to go, bang, I'm a real contender and I've got the whole of Mexico behind me. I get it. But you've also got to be professional. You've also, you're yeah. a fighter. If You should realise, man, I've been there. I've been poked in the eye in training, Jeremy. I'm so sorry. Are you all right, kid? He must know. This is Jeremy Stevens. This is not a Todd, this is not a Todd Duffy situation. We haven't fought for two rounds and I'm getting on top and now he's looking for a way out. Mm-hmm. It's 10 seconds in. Yeah, yeah. I've landed a leg kick. That's it. The fight hasn't even started. If he can't continue, I'm surprised. He, in the, he could have killed the situation. Yeah, he could have. But in the octagon, I understand that his emotions were running, right? So in the octagon, I can, I'm not forgiving it because I don't think he should have done it, but you cannot understand. Listen, he's pent up. He's on the bloody cage. He's waving at the crowd, getting them revved up. Then he reacts the way that he reacts to Bisping. This is all in the cage, right? I'm more concerned about when he then goes, he's had a bit of time to the dust to settle. Then he's gone off to the ESPN desk to go and do his interview. And then he's basically insinuating that you jacked. That, uh, that young lads fucking spewed it. And I'm thinking, whoa, as soon as he did that, from all the good things that he won in the uh, Korean zombie fight with that crazy last second knockout where everybody's going crazy for him, yep. it went down in my estimations when he did that. You can't do that. Let everybody else make their own minds up whether the kid spewed it or not. You don't fucking come and pour some more petrol on it by going, yeah. well, only he will know whether he's legit or not. I mean, from my opinion, I'd have carried on and all that type of thing. I'm thinking, well, would you? If you can't see out of an eye, he hasn't put... <clears throat> let's just confirm it again. He hasn't called it. Jeremy Stevens didn't call the fight. Herb Dean and the doctor looked at him for five minutes. He couldn't open his eye and it's them that called it. Yeah. He had to, by the by rules, a low, a, a low blow, a groin shot or an eye poke, he got five minutes to recover. And after that five minutes, you need to continue or the fight stopped. That's just the law. And Jeremy Stevens couldn't open his eye. I, I just thought... I no was, doctor in the right mind's going to go, <clears throat> yeah, go on, man. Yeah, you can't he, see. He can't he, open he can't his eye, but yeah, go eye. on, then Crack on. Exactly. Nobody's going to do that. And, and to be fair, Jeremy Stevens, he wasn't saying, yeah, I want to continue. He couldn't see out of his eye. He couldn't open his eye. So at that moment, he's thinking, oh, shit, have I lost my eye? Like fucking Bisping's blind in one eye because of fighting with with an eye poke. Yeah, it's a ser- it's serious bullshit. What going on the ESPN desk and even after that as well, speaking to other media, going well, he's fucking spewed it as well. Why should they rematch him straight away? He might just yeah. do the same thing next. Well, time. Stevens is straight out with all the bandages on his eye, going, "I'm ready to roll it back." Exactly. Give, me, like, a give me a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks through this, recover, and let's go again. And that's all the UFC should do. Now, I think there was a missed opportunity there by Bring someone. Bring them to New York. That was all Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there was a missed opportunity there by someone, by a member of the media, when he, when Yair, and I love uh, Yair. Yeah, I've, top guy. I've, I've been talking about he's been a title contender for a long time. But when he said he spewed it, when he said Jeremy Stevens, I fucking, you know, you're looking for a way out, blah, 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 insinuating that kind of thing, and I'd just gone, okay. Didn't you once pull out of a fight with Zabit Magomed Sheriff? Yeah, because you didn't fancy it. Because Jeremy Stevens never pulled out of a fight, by the way. But you pulled out of a fight, didn't you? You pulled out of a fight and you said to the UFC, I don't want to fight him. And the UFC almost threw you out of the UFC. In fact, yeah. he did throw you out. And then That's you, why you've not fought for a year. They let you back in. You haven't fought for a year because you did not want to fight Magomed Sherapov. Yeah. But now you're accusing Jeremy Stevens, who's never, ever walked out of a fight, never turned a fight down, of quitting after 10 seconds against you. After being in Mexico City for eight weeks acclimatizing and spending 30 grand on a fight camp, you genuinely think he quit? I'd have put that to him. Maybe not the Magad Mad Shut up. Again, I'm like you. Huge Jair fan. Huge fan. And yeah. I think it was a shame because he looked an amazing nick and you could see how much it meant to him. And that would have been a brilliant fight and an amazing win if he'd have got it. His, but his reaction afterwards was shitty. And yeah. I don't know a single fighter who competes MMA or any prize fighter in any, that can see his reaction and even relate to it. Everyone go, hey, mate, come on. We've all been hypoed. You know how bad it is. Mm. 
It's fucking Jeremy Stevens. You know who he is. Mm. He, he's not. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. He's not looking for a way out. His, his, his resume clearly states this yeah. guy's a fucking warrior and he will fight. Mm. Disappointing. Um, let's talk positives from uh, UFC Mexico because there are some. Steven Peterson's spinning back fist finish. Oh, to, to counter attack a spinning back fist with a spinning back fist and then knock the dude out is unreal. Listen, it didn't warrant the was, extra one. Was, Bra- was Bravo's a spinning elbow? I thought they were two spinning back fists. I thought this was a spinning elbow. Maybe, regardless. It, listen, they were fucking like on a Wurlitzer. Yeah, it was going round. It was like the waltzes. It didn't. It didn't necessarily need the extra one on the deck. I'll be honest with you. No. But listen, he's probably surprised himself because yeah, he yeah. spun round, knocked the kid out, and gone fuck, exactly. and, and, and jumped on it. Well, he's mid-flight then, isn't he? Oh, as soon as he hits the floor, he's mid-flight. You're right. There was absolutely no reason for that extra smack on the floor. But to be fair to Peterson, he's coming. You know, he's facing a guy with a massive support behind him. Obviously, the whole of Mexico, the main card's just kicked off. The Mexican fans are absolutely buzzing now. And Peterson comes out and gets lit up for the first round. Like, bravo, just knock fuck out of him. Yeah. And you're like, mate, you need to ignite that Superman tattoo on your chest. You need to pull something out the bag here. And he did. He pulled something out the bag. Like, that's the ultimate lesson. For anyone who's getting fucked up in a fight, like just hang in there. <laughs> Chuck a spinning back fist. Just hang in there because you don't know what could happen. And mate, that's isn't that why we love fight sports though? Like Bravo's lighting them up. It could have been, the first round could have been a ten eight round. Peterson yeah. just got lit up on the feet. Mm. Nothing he could do about it. But to counter a spinning back, whatever it was, with another one to be and land it. It, it wasn't even just landing it though, was it? It was fucking perfect. It was on the whiskers, mate. Not to clean out. Perfect. So he. As Bravo spins, I thought it was an elbow, back fist, whatever it was. He spins, so Peterson then spins to counter. Oh, you're spinning, I'm spinning. Like, <laughs> fucking, just like a natural reaction. So I don't know whether they've had... like, Was it, or did they just both go at the same time? I thought Peterson, they kind of come together, and as Bravo spins, Peterson goes a second afterwards. Now, I don't yeah. know whether they've, they've gone, whenever someone spins at you, counter it with a spin, because then as they're, as they're finishing, it's the back of your head. Do you know what I mean? Maybe yeah, I'm giving, yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe they just do it at the same time. Maybe I'm giving them a too, bit too much. Yeah, fucking, I like it. I like it. But I'm just thinking, if you see him step with his right foot, step across, ready for that spin. As soon as he start, you spin. Because <sighs> think about it. If you're doing a spin and back fist, your momentum now is spinning as well. Yeah, yeah. So if you miss with yours... It's your, like a double whammy. Your jaws coming a couple of seconds later, or a split second later, that if someone's coming the other way, you're going, you're turning right into it. So what happened was, Bravo span his right jaw around just as Peterson's right fist was fully extended as well, just as if fully extended, right across the jaw. Out. Now, you know, I spent six years doing the World MMA Awards, shortlisting, knockouts of the year, submissions of the year, all that kind of shit. Fucking used to kill me. I used to be up till four in the morning, bloody for months on end, collating these things. So I've seen enough knockout of the year contenders to know. Is that the one? When I've just seen knockout of the year. That was knockout of the year. I don't care what happens between now and the rest of this year. Stephen Peterson's knockout on Martin Bravo from Saturday night. If you've not seen it, go and watch it. Go and find it. It's all over social media. We put it on our Twitter. That was UFC's knockout of the year 2019. Mark my words. There you go. Nailed it. Uh, He did get a performance of the night bonus for that knockout. Also on the performance of the night bonus. Shit the bed. The Birdu nearly finished Birdu, the fight. baby! Hang on. He nearly finished the fight with his fists. What the hell is going on in this world? <laughs> Big knees, gets him on the deck, and I thought, hang on, what's going on here? This is not the script. He normally chokes dudes out. Then, obviously, he reverted to the rear naked chuck. But at one point, I genuinely thought that Big Paul Craig was going to finish a fight with his fists. Unbelievable. 
buzzing for him. Yeah, absolutely, buzzing. mate. You know, we've had Paul on this show before, absolute diamond. And a guy that at one stage, you know, when he lost twice, he lost to Pedro, didn't he? He lost to Khalil Roundtree. I remember speaking to him then. He was like, you know, the pressure's on here. I'm fighting. He was fighting in London against Ankalaev. Yeah. If you remember, we were in the media room and yeah. then suddenly he pulls out the submission. With a second. Battered, With a battered, second. Yeah, battered for three rounds, pulls out a submission. And afterwards, he's like, I've just saved my UFC career there. Just saved it. Gets a new contract. Four fights. That was his fourth fight on Saturday night. So that was the end of his contract again. Pressure was on again. He just lost previously uh, in fucking Minneapolis. Yeah. He's fighting Ian in Mexico City. To get a win like that, to pull that off, just because where Paul's journey is, you know, we, everyone knows the story. He's a, he was a school teacher. The kids used to research the fighters for him and tell him how to do his game plan and all that. Just amazing. Proper true life, here comes the boom. Just a Scottish Iron Brewfield version. And for Paul to just stay in the UFC once again with a performance like that, a submission of the night performance, he hasn't come out yet and said, but I'm sure the UFC went right, son. Boom. There's a third contract with a three or four fight deal. Because he deserves it. And it's it's always risky for any fighter to go into a fight when it's the last one in your UFC yeah, yeah, deal. Yeah. No one wants to be in that position, obviously. But when you go back into contract negotiations, having just bagged submission of the night for your first round against, submission. Against a kid that has never been subbed. Exactly. And we said on last week's show, that's Murray as well. Yeah, These yeah, two yeah. submission guys. To, to, to submit a black belt in the first round in your last fight on your current deal. Fantastic. That's every manager's dream. Aya Dana, yeah, I'm just come back to renegotiate Paul Craig's, yeah, yeah, you know, as you know, 50 grand bonus on Saturday night for the first round submission against the guy who'd never been subbed before. Let's talk numbers. <laughs> so I hope Paul gets a good deal, man. At least a three or four fight deal. And you know what? With performances like that, that's how you build momentum towards a UFC Glasgow. That's how I return to Scotland. Do you know what I mean? Because UFC go, okay, this guy's got something. He's got that saleability. Do you think, do you think there's enough, that's a question actually, do you think there's enough talent now, Scottish talent, to warrant a UFC Glasgow show with the likes of Jojo, with the likes of Paul. Yeah. Um, Is there enough there to bring the UFC back to Glasgow? Stevie Ray, people like that. Yeah. You'd need to, I, I think what you need is you probably need a couple of kids, and there will be some, there'll be a, a couple of young Scottish lads. Who's the kid of Cage Warriors that fought Nicholas Dalby? Uh, Nicholas Dalby's in the UFC, but he isn't. He's fighting this weekend, is Nicholas Dalby, isn't he? He's yeah, a, he's, he's in, in Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Yeah, let me just check this kid's name because obviously. It's people like that. I can't believe it, actually. Yeah. Nicholas Dalby's gone back to the UFC, and we'll talk about it in a second, as you say. But this kid hasn't got in the UFC. It's a Houston. It is Houston, yet yeah, Ross Houston. So him and Ross Houston had that fight in Cage Warriors for the UFC welterweight, Cage Warriors welterweight title. Mm. Everyone had seen it. We talked about it. It was a bloody mess. The fucking the apron, if you remember, yes. it just turned into a fucking ice rink with all the blood that was everywhere. And Mark Goddard had to stop the fight. It just was not safe. Now, Nicholas Dalby's back in the UFC for Copenhagen, but Ross Houston isn't signed by the UFC. And I was like, what the fuck? You can't sign one without the other. They had this amazing... Ross Houston was the world champion going into that fight. How can he get signed, but he isn't signed? All that kind of stuff. Maybe the UFC were keeping their powder dry because they returned to Scotland early in 2020. Maybe. With Ross Houston making his UFC debut, Paul Craig, Stevie Ray, JoJo on the card. Shit makes sense. It's mm. easy. There you mm. go. Job done. Mm. I know that you mentioned uh, Carla Esparza before about her leg humping performance, but I just want to talk about how she managed to get out of that armbar. Her arm was, it's not supposed to bend that way. No, it isn't. No, and all respect in the world to her for, for surviving that armbar. But for me, that was the moment that Grasso sealed the win. I thought Grasso, at that point, you're like, okay, fighting for the armbar finish. Mm. Incredible from Asparza for surviving it. 
but I just think she was more attacking. She was more on the offensive grass, so, and that's why I think the Mexican. Excuse me, Mexican fans like me were disappointed she never got the decision. Mexican fans the, like me? Are you a Mexican now? The Mexican fans like me. Okay. You know, don't be tagging me with Andy Ruiz. I'm still AJ all day. Well, I thought you were going full Masvidal after his get-up over the last week. Unreal. He's, 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 Unreal. His costume choices over the last seven days have been out of this world. Superb. Turns up to the press conference with Nate Diaz dressed as Tony Montana. <laughs> Unreal. Outstanding. And then he goes to Mexico... Full sombrero, poncho, but not that. Not only that, because we saw Tyson Fury do that. We saw him enter the ring like that. He's wearing bullets around his fucking neck, mate. And he's got a bullet belt on. And Bandi- then he refuses. Bandit. Bandito. I know that he, he actually did do some interviews in English post-event. But for a long period of time, he refused to speak. He was only speaking in Latin American. That's Masvidal. <laughs> he don't give a shit, does he? I fucking love him. Masvidal, for me, I'm trying to remember a fighter. With a renaissance like this. Throughout the 10 years I've been covering UFC, or 12 years or whatever I've been covering MMA for now, I'm trying to remember a fighter that's had the kind of renaissance that he's had, the kind of return to form. That, like, To be a guy that's been around for so long and been in tough fights and have a reputation as, mate, it's a tough, tough you, fight for anyone. Do you know guy. the one is for me? And it, 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 it peaked with winning a belt was Bisping. Bispin was a nearly guy, in and out, in and out, yeah, in and out. Yeah, but Masvidal dropped off. Like, Masvidal wasn't ranked. Bisping, Bisping... Was always there about. He's always yeah. been ranked. He's always been in the top 10, Bisping. Once he got into the top 10, he's always been there. He just kept losing them eliminator fights. Yeah, okay. But he never lost against guys that dropped him out. Masvidal at one stage was gone. You know, he was he was, he was was cannon fodder, if you like. Going into the till fight, it was like he, he, didn't, he didn't really matter anymore. He had his moments. He was a former fighter. He was one of those guys that, you know, you kind of group him in. I'm trying to think who, who to like the, the same categories to put him in with, but like Ellen Berger, like you know, fucking those kind of guys, yeah. Thiago uh, Alves, like that kind of. Oh, he was he was good in his day. Yeah. He was a tough motherfucker. Him, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, a sparring partner for the guys coming through at ATT. Oh yeah, we'll bring Jorge in. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. You know, and all that kind of stuff. Masvidal, that Renaissance is sick, unbelievable, isn't it? Since knocking out Till. Let's not forget, he lost the first round. Second round, bomb. Times till perfectly with that left hand, sleeps him. Straight into the Ben Askren fight. You know, but not even that, sorry. Straight into the fight with Rocky Edwards backstage that goes viral. Boom. My God. Headlines, headlines, headlines. Right. UFC sits him down. Rocky Edwards is not big enough. We need to do Ben Askren. It's well bigger. Okay, let's do Ben Askren. The flying knee, first second, knocks Ben Askren out. Just basically what you just watch what he did against Robbie Lawler and gone, oh, I'll fucking flying knee in first second because all he does is duck down. Timed it perfectly. Boom, rocks the mic again. And then you're like, he's a superstar. Yeah. Like, he, he, but it's like he's just been waiting for this moment. But now, again, this goes back to every fight that we all talk about the young lads that are coming through, the young girls that are coming through. When it's your moment, when you're hot, You've got you've got to ram it down people's throats. Look at Masvidal. There's no real reason for him to be in Mexico at the weekend. You yeah. know what I mean? He's got a fight camp to get ready for. He's fighting in four or five weeks in uh, New York City. Turns up, sombrero on, yep. poncho on, bullets around his neck. He's dressed up as Tony Montana midweek. The only person that we are talking about right now is Jorge Masvidal. And he's fighting fucking Nate Diaz for crying out loud. Yeah, no. Nate Diaz is the people's champion. He is, isn't he? He's the guy. Yeah. But Masvidal's stealing the mantle. He's just basically going, come on, guys. Come on, papi. Let's go on this little mad little journey. I think traditionally everyone, we're all Diaz fans, we're all Cowboy fans, and, you know, obviously now we're all Masvidal fans, but I think going into that fight in New York, I think it's going to be split 50-50. 100% it and is. And you know what? I don't even think it'll be split 50-50 necessarily because 
I'm we're going to New York, and you know, let's take away the fact that Till and everything else is on the card. Let's just we're going to New York for that fight. I'm not going there as a Masvidal or a Diaz no. fan. I'm going there because they're two bad motherfuckers, and I cannot wait to see what happens when they collide in the middle of the octagon. Same. Because it's going to be absolutely mental. I think most fans around the world, unless you've got a tie to, you know, the Diaz brothers in, in, in California or whatever, or Masvidal in Miami, or your Cuban, or your backgrounds, this or what, unless you've got a distinct relationship. I think for most fans on the planet, it's a case of, I just can't fucking wait. And I've got no, I don't care who wins. Yeah. I just want to see what happens when it plays out. And that's what the UFC have got. got lightning in a bottle with that fight. Doesn't need a belt, but I do love the fact Dana's come out and gone. We're actually going to make a bad motherfucker belt. We're actually going to make one, just because we can. The bad motherfucker. <laughs> mm. It's crazy. Um, also, over the weekend, you will have seen that uh, UFC two four five have got uh, one of its headline events nailed on in uh, Holloway versus Volkanovski. It's a fight that we thought might just get squeezed on to. Uh, uh, Melbourne in a couple of weeks' time. However, with recovery times and various things like that, injuries, we're waiting for Las Vegas. Uh, or maybe Dublin, according to Conor McGregor. But it's Vegas. It's Vegas at UFC 245, December the 14th. It's Max Vegas. Holloway against Volkanovski. <laughs> this is brilliant. Volkanovski's been, again, one of those guys that has just been on this tear. He's been on an unbelievable ascent. Uh, Max Holloway needs uh, legit opponents, and this kid is a legit opponent. I think this is going to be a firecracker. I think it's an absolutely brilliant fight, yeah. I knew it was coming. You know, it had been talked about, but it hadn't been confirmed. But um, that headline and that call on December the 14th, for me now, that basically solidifies the fact that Connor's not fighting again this year. Because um, if he does, he would have to go. They're not going to put Connor above a world title fight, mm. even though it's Connor. Well, Nunes and I think Duranamay's on there as well. well that's what I mean. It? There's two world title fights yeah, on yeah. this card already. Yeah, yeah. Connor's not fighting this year. That's just category. There's just no. He way. might be. He might be having a little knock in a local sports hall on December the fourteenth <laughs> yeah, in so, Dublin. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a brilliant fight. As you're right, Volkanovski, absolutely the standout contender in the featherweight division. Um, do you know what he could? He could do it. I think he could do it. He yeah. could do it. I think he could. I think the only reason I'm saying that is because, um, you know, Max looked convincing against Frankie Edgar as always. But as always, Max is there to be hit. Volkanovski hits and hits hard. I just think he's got real momentum behind him at the moment. And um, it's a shame Volkanovski got ill because I think this would have been amazing yeah. for the Australian yeah. card. With him, with his Australian connections. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It would have been unreal. But, you know, Volkanovski's on what? 10, 12 fight win and run, uh-huh. including Mendez, Elkins, Al- Jose Aldo. You know, they, they, there's a reason why he's the top contender. I think it's a brilliant fight and a brilliant main event. Can't wait. Um, this weekend is uh, UFC Copenhagen. The Royal Arena is the host. Top of the bill. Jack Hermanson taking on Gerard Cannonier. Um Just a quick one on this, right? Because Hermansen of Swedish, well, he's Swedish. He's the guy for Scandinavia at this moment in time with obviously Gus now no longer being, well, I say no longer being about. I've no doubt he'll come back at some point, won't he? Uh, but Jack Hermansen on this unbelievable tear at this moment in time. Once you have beaten someone like a Jackeray, a big yes. name in that division, is Jared can in the air a come down or would you have expected maybe a bigger name even I know that Till's fighting Gastelum someone like a Gastelum yeah this is a coming out party because Scandinavia but it's a dangerous coming out party because he's not been beaten as uh, at middleweight as Cannonier. Uh, Cannonier. he's been smoking dudes he has yeah but there's a difference between smoking you know the likes of um, Jacare, Jacare yeah. and smoking 75 year old Anderson Silva um, that is a big difference and I think 
the reason they've put this in, yes, Kananier's, you know, he's well ranked in the in the middleweight division. I think he's ranked number nine. Manson's ranked number five now after the win over Jack Array. I think Kananier's a, a good opponent because he is ranked. The UFC can really push this over in Copenhagen this week with, with a mayor. Um, but I think Hermansen, for me, is the next Gustafsson. He's the next big European star for Scandinavia and Europe, especially, to really get behind. And they want to showcase him in a big fight. And obviously, that's why he's the main event here. We talked earlier about fighters taking opportunities when they come along and, and taking it with both hands and just being fucking ready to go and not knowing what the future may hold, but just blindly going into big fights when the opportunity comes. And that Jack Array fight came from nowhere mm. with uh, Hamanson. It literally got dropped on his plate, I think, with a, with a week or two's notice. Mm. And he steps in to fight Jack Array and fucking absolutely saves him. Right. You know? And now he gets ranked number five in the world and he's potentially going to get a title shot next so, year. So are you... Where are we now? We are September, yeah? Are you thinking... He comes through this at the weekend. Four weeks later, there's another middleweight contest in New York... Yeah. Uh, between uh, Gastelum and a certain Mr. Till. Yeah. We know that the week after this in Melbourne is the title fight between Whitaker and Adesanya. How does this play out then now for you? Is it Hermanson versus the winner of Till Gastelum to then maybe fight the winner of Whitaker versus Adesanya? Does that how, how it works? Or if Hermanson's red out here, does he go straight for a title shot? I think Till. I think if Till beats Gastelum, I think Till gets a title shot. Straight away. I just think Till's a big... He's obviously a big... Without an eliminator against the Jack Manson. Yeah, I just think... it Because why why, why fight Jack Manson in fifth when you've just beat Kelvin Gastelum, who's third or fourth? Gastelum's ranked higher than Hamanson. So you be a black backwards. Are you doing this without your scouse head on? Or are you doing this well, legit? I've never got my scouse... Never not got my scouse head on. <laughs> so obviously... But Till's a bigger star than Jack Manson. You know, so... I think the best thing that can happen for Jack Manson is obviously a win this weekend and then potentially a win for Kelvin Gastelum because Gastelum's not going to get a, a, a shot at that title anytime soon necessarily after losing to Adesanya, even though that fight was great. Yeah, yeah. So I think Hamanson versus Gastelum in a final eliminator, if he comes through this, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but I think first and foremost, Hamanson's just got to get the job done here because this is his first time really carrying a card in yeah. Europe. Yeah. He's the main guy. He's the guy. I know I know he headlined with Jack Array, but that was in Florida, you know, mm. and he came in at late notice. He's he, in Scandinavia. He wasn't. These the are star. technically his people. He, he's Even the though star this is Denmark. Here. Exactly. He's the star here. He's fought in UFC a lot on, on Gustafsson cards, but he's the main man now. And it's all about how Jack Hamanson handles it on Saturday night. Kananier's coming to win. Make no fucking qualms of about course. it. He's, he, he knows as well that. A win over Hamanson puts him one potentially one or two wins away from a title shot. So um, I think it's a belter of a main event, I've got to be honest, but I do like Hamanson. I think Hamanson's very well-rounded fighter. His ground game's absolutely legit as fuck, but he, he can bang on the feet too. I think he's a, he is the star that Scandinavia needs to get behind because he's definitely going places. This Copenhagen card, obviously it's going to be friendly for British fight fans to be able to watch this on the TV, has got some sensational fights on it. And I encourage you to come as early as you possibly can to this, no matter what you're doing. If you're watching football or you're going to a game at the weekend, get home as quick as you possibly can. Because the second fight on the card is March Casey against Lando Venata. That, you've just said that you've just seen the knockout of the year, yeah? In the fight at the weekend in Mexico <laughs> yeah. City. I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, this fight is going to give us the knockout of the year. And it'll be some crazy spinning mid-air fucking roundhouse kick. This is what it's going to be. I hope so. I hope you're right. You know, it's got all of, both these guys on their A game. 
Anything could happen. It could be absolutely brilliant. It's going to be like a computer game, this. Yeah. but Well, I hope so. Because also, that said, both these guys can also... Same with Jacquezy, not turn up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and it's weird, isn't it? Because the first two or three in the UFC was unbelievable, and then yeah. he's just gone flat. He moved to ATT, didn't he? And it just killed him. Yeah, but he's just back on killed now. his momentum. He's, he's back, back now, and hopefully he's he's back doing what he does best. And him versus Lando Venati, you're right. On paper, this is a fucking amazing fight. But Jacquezy's last, you know, he lost three. He had that win over Joe Duffy in in London on the Masvidal till undercard, which mm-hmm. was a good win for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to get him a, a W again, get his arm raised, get that feeling. But even that night, he wasn't the same Mark Jacquezy. wasn't flashy, was it? When he we saw him in Manchester, mate, he was unbelievable. unbelievable, wasn't he? He was absolutely unbelievable. And he needs to do that again. He needs to find that kind of performance because that kind of performance is what is going to, you know, mm. really torpedo him back up. You know, he's second on. Yeah. You know, a couple of years, 18 months ago, two years ago, before he had that run, to think Mark Jacquezy's He'd be headlining the prelims or he'd be... He'd be co-main events. You got you got a guy here. Okay, we're in Copenhagen, so they got a guy from Copenhagen, an Olympian, a former yeah, uh, yeah. You know, Olympic wrestler, making his UFC debut in yeah, the co-main yeah, yeah. event. They're not daft. It is what it is. They want to keep their local fans happy. But Jacquezy against Venata, eighteen months, two years ago, those two guys—that's fucking co-main event status. Mm. It's crazy. It is a great fight. Uh, your boy John Phillips is on here as well. He's uh, headlining the <coughs> excuse me headlining the prelims. And if you go into the actual main card, Nicholas Darby kicks us off against Alex Oliveira. That should be an absolute crackerjack. But I, I, I was going to bring up, actually, what you said. Nicholas Dalby being back in the UFC, having... Well, how long has he been back in Cage Warriors now? He's been in there for quite some time, hasn't he? Yeah, a couple of years. So he, he lost, he got pushed out the UFC, didn't he? And then he had a hard time, Nicholas. He was uh, he had a real hard time away from the sport and then he's sorted himself out. I think he's married now, he's got a baby and um, he's in a real good place. And then he had a couple of fights in Cage Warriors, climbed back on top and everyone was making noises and then he had that amazing fight with, with Houston. Uh, and obviously, he's, he's landed himself back on the main card here, which is amazing. What a great way to come back. But fucking hell. Welcome back to the UFC. Here's Alex Oliveira. <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. You know what I mean? It's like, listen, he's a fighter. He's never going to turn anybody down. But to throw him in with a guy, a former, you know, a fringe title contender, and Alex Oliveira, who's a bad motherfucker. Mm. And okay, Oliveira's coming off two defeats. But those two defeats are against Gunnar Nelson and Mike Perry. No, they're not jokes. You know, they're not joke opponents. Mm. So it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one for Nicholas to come back with, but it's a fucking great fight to kick off the main card, though. Yeah, and the next one on it, uh, in the light heavyweight division, obviously proves back in action against Mikhail Oleksichuk. Um, Again, another great fight. Everything about Copenhagen's banging because you've got Gunnar Nelson on there against Gilbert Burns. Yes. Another great fight. You've just mentioned Mark Madsen there making his UFC debut against Danilo uh, Belwado in the co-main event, and then obviously you got the main event. Every single one of these has got the potential to be an absolute classic. They're not all going to be classics. We know that. There's going to be some duds in there. There'll be a little bit of, you know, leg humping, I've no doubt. But the way that these have been matched up, main card especially, and obviously that second fight that we just mentioned a moment or two ago with Jacquezzi against Venata, this is a striker's paradise for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you haven't even mentioned the main guy on there as well, making his UFC debut, Jack Shaw, the first fight on, the former Cage Warriors champion, the Mm. kid from Wales who's... Absolutely fucking brilliant to watch. Just literally nails everybody. I've seen him in Cage Warriors choke people out, uh, knock people out with elbows, punches, flying knees, fucking arm bars, 
he's got it all. Jack Shaw, absolute superstar, and it was only a matter of time before he got into the UFC anyway. But if you're going to tune into this, and as you say, the timing's perfect for UK, so it'll be nice early Saturday evening, five, six o'clock. Make sure you watch the start of the fights because Jack Shaw's first on. He's a fucking superstar. And then Marchi Casey laces Lando Venata. And by then, two fights in. You're in. You're going nowhere. You're in. You're in the You're team. In. You're in the team. Um, thank you very much for listening to us. Absolute pleasure once again being back in your company. Uh, you can subscribe to us via iTunes. You're looking for Fight Disciples and it's fightdisciples.com if you need any Android feeds. We're all over social media. At Fight Disciples on Facebook and Twitter and at The Fight Disciples on Instagram. Just want to point to you towards our YouTube channel as well uh, because last week I had the pleasure of uh, Brendan Lochnane's company. Went oh, and... yeah, yeah. Sorry, I haven't watched it yet. Good. Yeah, he's a good guy, man. Yeah, man. Deep thinker. Um, very philosophical about his time in not only Contender the... T- series. Not only the Tough House originally when he mm-hmm. went there originally and obviously didn't end up getting himself a contract but the contender series more so because if you remember loads, there were loads of chat about him coming to the UFC whether it be him being shoehorned in for a London card or going to the contender series everybody saw the fight everybody knows he won the fight and then as excuse for not giving him a contract because he went for a takedown in the last 10 seconds can really rank a weird young mind if you've obviously got your, your mind fully focused on becoming a UFC fighter he's very at peace with a lot of things he, he surprised me a lot uh, and obviously he makes his debut in the uh, Professional Fight League in October. Um, and next year he'll be competing in the the uh, Featherweight Tournament where he can win himself uh, a million bucks. And he, I watched him train, and I'll tell you something. Do you remember when we were in Abu Dhabi watching um, our boy Edson Barboza uh, sinking them leg kicks? And every single one of them, we looked at each other and went, fucking hell, I wouldn't like to be on the end of that. Yeah, yeah, the open workouts. Well, uh, Brendan were doing uh, a similar drill iPads. He knows what he's doing, the kid. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> knows what he's doing. He's got techniques. No he's got techers. And he's a great he's a great kid as well. So if you've got um a spur I've done it in two parts, so you can have twenty minutes and then another twenty minutes later on. I'm gonna have a little bit of a nosy in and I'm sure you'll uh, you'll start to follow the journey of uh, Brendan Lockner, Manchester's finest. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.